Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. And so, welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Tonight, uh, we have a guest who I've met before. Uh, last time we met, there was a group of us, and uh, John has some fascinating insights and some really interesting stories to tell. So tonight, John Marks joins us. Uh, he's from CopsAlive.com, which is a fantastic name for a website. And so good evening, John. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good evening to you as well. Superb. And I guess, again, from that accent, I'm, t- I'm guessing you're not around the corner. You're over the pond. How I am that? over the pond in uh, sort of the western central United States near Denver, Colorado. Oh, fantastic. Sounds great. So, um, excellent. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I know you've got a really fascinating story. So I, I want to get on with it, if that's okay. So, so John, tell us, um, I mean, tell us what it is you do. <laughs> I do a lot of things, but um, I think the simplest way to describe it is, is I am now a consultant and trainer that works with law enforcement and other emergency responders to try to help them build their wellness and resilience. Our motto is saving the lives of the people who save lives. Right, okay, fascinating. And so I'm guessing you must have been in that world to say the least. So how is it you got from the beginning to where you are now? Tell me your story. (laughs) Long story, but uh, I served in law enforcement for 23 years. Uh, At the end of that time, I have to tell you that I was very burned out. Um, I wanted to sort of venture out on my own. I was young. I wanted to venture out on my own. And um, I really wanted nothing to do with law enforcement. Uh, As you know, from the previous conversation we had, uh, one of the things that I suffered with in my career was uh, I had contemplated suicide. Mm. And uh, over the the last several years, uh, news around the world has, has focused in on particularly law enforcement officer suicide, but what we're finding is that many people that work in emergency response, whether they're sworn law enforcement officers, whether they're um, civilian employees, whether they're firefighters or paramedics, uh, unfortunately, we have to see the worst of society, and that can't help but take a toll on the human spirit over time. And I was one of those uh, quote-unquote casualties Um, I knew that I was suffering and I knew that I needed to get away. So I chose uh, to leave law enforcement, you know, to make a long story short, I sought out treatment. I sought out assistance and help and support. And uh, those uh, instances of suicidal ideation were earlier in my career. 
but nonetheless, by the time I retired, I knew that it, I had pretty well burned out yeah. and I didn't feel like I was going to be of help any longer. Um, I went into a completely different industry upon my retirement, but um, shortly thereafter, a friend of mine that served in law enforcement uh, took his life uh-huh. and it brought back a lot of memories of my own and made me aware of the fact that many people out there in emergency service suffer in silence where they're, even their peers and their loved ones don't know what they're going through. Uh, that's a whole story by itself. But, um, but nonetheless, I realized that I wasn't alone. And I realized that there were many, many other people out there following in my footsteps in the career and maybe even down that path of darkness. And I wanted to do something to try to change that. So I had been a law enforcement trainer for years. I developed my own training program. Ultimately, I, I wrote a book, which you can see over my shoulder there. Um, and I continue to do that in both a consulting capacity and a training capacity, wherever I'm needed, uh, try to work with uh, emergency responders and their organizations to try to build health and wellness. Yes. Mm, wow. That's some, some stuff to unpack there now. So whilst you're slurping away the, uh, your Tigger cup, which I think is a very, very, <laughs> there's a very butch macho man with his Tigger cup in front oh, of yeah. me. This is very interesting. So, so, so let me, let me unpack some of that. So I guess most of us who are not from the blue light community or the military get our knowledge of those occupations from the television. So mm-hmm. I'm currently watching Chicago Med and Chicago huh? PD and Chicago Fire and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, we've watched House and I've watched uh, Rookie Blues and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But what's it really like? working in those areas? Because I'm, I'm guessing that you have the high adrenaline, but you also have the low stretches of boredom as well. You know, the bit when you're just wandering around for a day and this yeah. idea of being bored stiff and scared stiff. I wonder, is that part of part of the job? Tell us, tell us the real sort of ins and outs. All right, um, that, that's a good question. And, and you know, I think that there are different answers there. I think some television programs and probably all capture a little of what the career is like. Um, I don't think they capture the stress per se. They might capture the fear and the outrage, um, but I don't know that they catch, capture the kind of cumulative ongoing stress that comes from trying to nurture society's ails. Um, sure, there are times of you know, uh, fear and, and uh, extreme stress with a, a situation that may take your life. Um, yeah. You know, we have more firearms instances here in the United States than you do in Great Britain. And um, yes. yeah, that's a whole other topic, I'm sure. But uh, nonetheless, the law enforcement here are primarily all armed. Yeah. And uh, because we have uh, very limited uh, restrictions on gun ownership in the United States, uh, many, many of the people we confront are armed as well. So yeah. um, that in and of itself is, is stressful. However, I think what many you know, shows and uh, even documentaries miss is that there is kind of an underlying um, malaise that comes with having to deal with all the horrible things. And it's not just the bad people. And I've certainly met my fair share of bad people. I, I met some people that I truly felt were evil. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a head and shoulders above bad. Yeah. Um, 
but I also dealt with a, a house that had an elderly woman that had 122 cats. Ah. I've dealt with hoarders where you had to walk through the pathways of their urine-stained household uh, because of piles of newspapers and piles of garbage and the kitchen overflowing with refuse. Um, you know, I've had to try to resuscitate, resuscitate children that had drowned or that had suffered from SIDS. I have had to respond to homicides and horrible traffic accidents that disfigured people um, and maimed them. I've had to hold people as they died. Um, you know, it just, it's day in and day out. Part yeah. of the fun, if you will, of the job is that no day, no two days are the same, yeah. even the boring days. Yeah. Um, I actually enjoyed the boring days because I was uh, one of the people in the United States that we called community police officers. I liked to work the same, uh, we call them beats. Yeah. I like to work the same area every day. I wanted to get to know the people. I stopped in to visit the business leaders. I, I worked, uh, you know, visiting the elementary schools, the high schools. I tried to get to know people. I, got, I tried to get to know the letter carriers. And, you know, I just, uh, I felt that it was important for me to know the people that I was serving. Okay. Uh, later in my career, I actually administered a project that, that uh, encouraged that kind of policing. Yeah. Um, I have visited the UK. I've had time to, to actually work alongside um, uh, constables in the UK and doing a variety of things. And uh, I think that form in the United States is much more akin to English policing, yeah. kind of the old original model. Yeah. Uh, I actually walked a beat with a Bobby in um, Suffolk. And so uh, in Ipswich and Suffolk. So, you know, I, that's the way I believe we should work as police officers. Yeah. Um, and, and let me kind of transition here, if I may, to, you know, what we're talking about as far as resilience. I, I just think that uh, every human being is born with some resilience, but I believe that resilience is something we can build. Yeah. And I think particularly in my profession and those kind of emergency responder professions, I think we have to build our capacity to be resilient yeah. because there are so many forces working against us that, you know, we have to, we have to prepare ourselves and honestly working with the community, realizing that there are good people that we serve and not just bad people is really part of building yeah. that resilience. So, you know, from all that I suffered, I hope that I learned an equal amount, if not a greater amount. And I hope that I can share some of that wisdom with the people that are, that are following me in the professions because these professions are so critical. Mm -hmm. And yet I, I know particularly in the United States, but I think around the world today, there is a pushback against law enforcement. There's a pushback against the police. And um, so, you know, we need to recover that balance, that resilience as well. Okay. So, so you've given me two broad areas to have a, a think about with you. So, so let's have a think of the first one, which is the, um, before our conversation, I was chatting to someone who was uh, in a corporate and uh, they're working from home because they're, they're, um, you know, they're doing the COVID, th uh, the working from home. So they're you know, doing the remote working. And what they're yeah. saying is, how do I switch off after a day? 
how do I differentiate between home and work? Because in the old days, I used to have an hour's drive and that used to take me down. But what you've discovered, you've described there is, an, is a, a relentless, and probably after shifts as well, a relentless series of interactions, which were either high stress, medium stress or low stress, but there's some stress in all of them. So, so let's start there. So what practically can people do to, to begin that wind down thing? Because if you don't wind down, you get home, you never get any respite, it builds the anxiety. It feeds neuroticism and all sorts of different things. So, so what yeah. practical tips? I mean, I've heard about black humour and the terrible jokes and such like, but, um, but what, more, what more practical things are there to help people? All right. I, I absolutely agree with what you said. I, um, in my writing and my teaching, I talk about it as a buffer time or a buffer yeah. zone between work and home. I think every human being needs to do that, as you've just described. But I think particularly in our professions where we see death and destruction and poverty and sadness and tragedy, um, it's, it's challenging to not bring that home. And I think one of the things that compounds our stress is that we try without discussion we try to protect our loved ones from all the horrible things we've experienced because we don't want that to tarnish them. Yeah. And yet that decision can be very harmful. So I believe that you need to have a buffer. I am also working from home now. I was a trainer and a consultant. Everything I did was on the road, uh, you know, traveling. And now I am learning to convert everything that I do, that other people that work with me do to Zoom. Because right now, and I expect for the, for the foreseeable future, I think this is the normal and yeah. we have to convert. Back to what I said earlier, I believe in intentional resilience. I believe that we have to strengthen and condition ourselves to be more resilient. And there are a variety of ways to do that. It's no different than trying to stop smoking or lose weight. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of tricks and gimmicks in the world that are, you know, kind of behavioral techniques Such to as. get us to Give do what we need to do. So if we need to take time between our work time and our home time, yeah. then we need to find a mechanism that will do that. Whether it's a note on the bathroom mirror, whether it's a reminder alarm in our phone our cell phone, uh, you know, whatever it is, I think we have to be intentional about controlling our level of stress and, and building our level of resilience. So, so practically then, you, you talked about the buffer zone. So what might be part of that buffer zone? I mean, there could be a physical drive or it can be walking from room to room or, as you say, putting some reminders. But yeah. I mean, are you a fan of meditation, mindfulness, all that sort of stuff? I mean, is that part, I, I of, your, is that part of your toolkit, as it were? It is, absolutely. And I think the toolkit is different for every human being, and it should be a huge toolkit. Um, I have tried meditation. I see the value in it, uh, but I struggle with it. I have also tried mindfulness meditation, which I think is a little bit more elaborate. And I have, I'm aware of many people that teach mindfulness to uh, emergency responders. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. I find it to be an advanced a technique that I think most human beings won't adapt. If you can adapt it, more power to you. I, when I teach, I try to find the simplest techniques because I want people to find something that's going to work and, and we want to start with the simplest. Um, so Chaz, what, know, back, give, can you give us an example of what those things might be? Well, for example, you know, the one that I just mentioned, sleep is really, really important. Yeah. 
So I tell people not to just set an alarm to wake up. I tell them to set an alarm in their phone to go to bed. Yeah. Uh, we have to be protective of the amount of time we have asleep. So we need to figure out what that is. And we need to honor that. And we need to have an alarm to remind us. So that alarm technique works for a variety of things, whether it's, hey, I need to um, rest and relax before I, you know, or unwind before I join the family, yeah. then maybe an alarm for that. I, I, in some of my training, I show a, a photo of the alarm panel on my phone and it's, it has eight or 10 alarms set there per day, yeah. depending what I want to remind myself to do because I get caught up like everyone in yeah. the daily activities. Uh, before we go on, I want to go back to what you asked me and that is I do believe in an awful lot of medical uh, theories. One of the ones that I aspire to was uh, Harvard physician here in the United States, Dr. Herbert Benson, coined the term the relaxation response. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of opinions about that. Nonetheless, I like his writing and teaching. And the relaxation response is a conditioned response where you try to bring down your blood pressure, lower yes. your heart rate, lower your respirations, etc. But part of the way he suggests you condition that is with physical activity. Yeah. Um, not hard physical activity, but um, re repetitive physical activity. It could be walking, it could be cycling or rowing. Uh, the idea though is to kind of lose yourself in your thoughts um, as you lower your, you know, your body's vital signs. So yeah. um, I think meditation can help with that. There are a lot of things we can do. Uh, that's one that I aspire to. And so when I talk about the buffer zone, I talk about, um, you know, kind of building those things into your, into your day and actually having time to sit quietly or be quiet uh, and, and sort of collect yourself before you, you know, yes. immerse yourself in your family life. That's, it's a very interesting point you made there because I'm someone that goes for a walk. I have a walk every morning. And um, one of the things you notice quite quickly is that we have a regular pattern of walking. So we have a sort of a, a speed. It often depends on the shoes you wear, funnily enough. But anyway, have a, a speed. And, and what we know is we can't really multitask well. So, you know, if I need to suddenly text something, I usually have to stop to text and such like. Yep. But what I, and, and this is a technique that's very simple to do. You walk at your normal speed and therefore you begin to ruminate. And yes. sometimes that can be very negative and it can turn into anxiety. But if you walk at a different speed, you can't. So if you walk half a mile an hour faster or if you lead with one foot rather than the other, or if you dodge the, 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 oh. the cracks in the pavement, you've got to be watching your <laughs> OCD on that one. But it's very peculiar how it distracts our brain out of those negative patterns of thinking. And sometimes oh. the most simple techniques are the ones, because actually our brain's very, very complicated yeah. and complex, but actually remarkably simple as well, because it's very easy to distract. Um, you know, all you have to do is see something interesting. Uh, they, we call it the dead cat syndrome over here, which is if you're talking about, if, you have a, if two people have an argument, someone throws a dead cat on the table, you can't talk about anything else but the dead cat. And uh, <laughs> We use the term squirrel. Yes, okay. I, it's the same thing. Same thing, yeah. And I think we, we don't, and we very rarely fox ourselves. We very rarely actually arrange for our own dead squirrel or dead rat, you know, dead cat to be, put on our table so we don't use the ability for the brain to be distracted enough to yeah. be able to sort of get those thoughts because it's those, it's those difficult thoughts that we have are the, which are the which are the problem aren't they and also the solution at the same time the more yeah. we're managing that thinking process the better we're able to cope 
Well, and I want to thank you for that suggestion. I walk almost every day. I like to cycle as well, so it just depends. But um, I will try that because I absolutely agree with what you just said. It, it, it's that simple breaking the pattern yeah. because we have so many habits. Um, I talk about three things. I talk about habit seeding, habit feeding, and habit weeding. Uh, because we get so locked into our programming, if it were, as it were, that uh, we kind of lose track of reality and the, and the present moment, which is why mindfulness can be so helpful. Um, but I think we have to be more conscious of our habits and we have to tend to them as well and seed new ones, take mm -hmm. care of the ones that are serving us and weed out the ones that are not. And your yes. suggestion is a great way to break a pattern and uh, you know, challenge us a little bit. I, I was going to ask: Have you ever tried walking a labyrinth? Walking a labyrinth. What, what, a labyrinth. What, what is? No, tell me more. Oh, I, w I will. I, I just happened to live near a church in a community uh, several years ago that had a stone labyrinth. A labyrinth is not a maze. Uh, right. In in most cases, it is a group of stones along. Uh, on the ground, on a flat piece of ground, the stones are, you know, uh, eight inches, whatever that is in um, centimeters, but um, the, they just line a pathway. The pathway is circular, so this is a giant circle. Right. It looks like a maze from up above, yeah. but uh, the idea is that as you go in, there is one path in and one path out, um, but it is so circuitous that even as you're watching your your path, you can't really see where you've gone, where you're going yeah. until you get to the center and then you work your way back out. Yeah. Um, it is an intentional, it's thousands of years old. It's an intentional exercise to create that rumination you talked about yes. and to sort of free up your mind to, uh, you know, break any preoccupation. So frequently they're associated with churches. There is an international organization that lists where they're found. You can just Google labyrinth. Um, I don't live near the one that I used to live near, so I don't do it quite as often. But when I was living there, I walked it day and night. I walked it in the rain. I walked it in snowstorms. I walked it in full moons. It was a fascinating experience. It's a little woo-woo for many people, but nonetheless, um, it is an age-old um, technique to uh, kind of get you to yes. maybe meditate a little bit while you're moving. Actually, to be fair, I've just uh, Googled it while we were chatting. Sorry, I was listening. <laughs> um, because actually, I just I couldn't picture it in the mind. But as soon as you see one, it actually yeah. makes a lot of sense. Because it's, it's, I, I get what you mean now. It's, that's a great tip. I love that. Well, and, and I um, think uh, it may be a French thing. Uh, I know a lot of churches in France have them. But I that. think churches yeah. in the UK as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. Well, and I think, and I think there's something, I mean, I think people do tend to overcomplicate resilience building because you're right, aren't you? It's yeah. about, you know, we've all got a backpack of things in our, in, in a, of tools in our, you know, in our, sort of, in our grasp. And some yeah. of it's about learning new ones, but often it's just about using the ones we've got there already. Because, you know, people talk about breathing and uh, I often talk about uh, breathing in terms of anxiety management and just measuring your heart rate and, you know, stress management. And we all talk about it, don't we? And we all well, advocate. Because not, it works. Because the body's oh, mechanism. Because it only works all the time. Yeah, that expression, you know. And I was talking, sitting down with a guy who's got extreme anxiety on, on Saturday and saying, okay, so how's the breather going? Oh, he's fine. I said, well, okay, give, show, me, show me how you're breathing. He was, can't do it because people don't practice 
because right. actually the point of resilience training is most of the exercises are can be very simple, but some of them are deliberately complicated because you have to do them with intention. And that was a phrase you used earlier, didn't you? Yeah. You have to learn them. You have to practice. You have to rehearse them. And when people don't do that, surprise, surprise, when the what's it hits the fan, then actually you don't have that. You don't have the toolkit embedded into your habit set. You haven't seeded that new habit. So I think this intentionality that you mentioned earlier is really important. So tell me a bit more about sort of what you mean by intentionality. Well, I mean, I think it speaks for itself. I think if, for example, in law enforcement, you know, I'm of the old school. I believe it's a very noble profession. I believe that it is a profession that you can't just work as a job. I think it is truly a craft and perhaps an art form. There is some science to it. There is some art to it, but I'm a little bit old school and I kind of believe that we need to strive for excellence. And, you know, we really, really have to hone our skills for a lifetime uh, in order to be the very best that we can be in order to provide the kind of service that we need to, to, to provide to our communities. Um, and that doesn't mean that you just go to school to be a police officer and then you're all fixed up and ready to go. It doesn't mean that you just go to annual training and you know, get some skills refreshed. It means that you as an individual need to be constantly striving to be the very best you can be. I mean, honestly, it doesn't have to be law enforcement. You could be an artist Anything. or a poet, yeah. uh, you know, what a pianist, whatever. You know, uh, practice is, is something that so many art forms adopt, yeah. whereas other professions and trades do not. We yeah. need to constantly work to be better. And in order to do that, I think we have to be intentional. And, and, and being intentional in my description would be we set a mindset uh, I, I use the word mindset as kind of the operating system for our brain. It is what we program, what we tell our minds. And we do that with uh, visualization. We do that with positive self-talk and affirmations. But we also do it with a little bit of programming. So just with the example of using the alarm on your cell phone, yes. we can build habits to intentionally improve ourselves whether it's a health skill, whether it's a spiritual skill, what have you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I like the idea of the alarms. I was uh, working in, a, in a, an organization where um, they used to use the alarms, but they used to use it in a different way. They used to say, when the alarm rings, you have to write down what it is you're doing, thinking and feeling. Sure. And, and, uh, and again, that's the intentionality bit, bit again, isn't it? It's, that, it's yeah. just that thing about stopping and bringing it to your level of self-awareness isn't it that's all intentionality okay. isn't it and then purposefully moving forward to to do something about it and so exactly. so i love the idea of the alarms i love this idea of that you set an alarm and say right it's now buffer time so do you know what i'm going to go into that mode of buffer uh, and i'm going to use my tools and my toolkit and then when i get out of the car when i've got home for example mm -hmm. i'm now going to be that person because my wife my family my partner whoever you are needs that person they don't need the police officer Right. They want the husband or the wife or the partner, or whatever it is, don't they? You have to play these different roles and different parts of your life. It, it's so true. And yet I think we take that for granted sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, for those people that are working at home now, yes, true. you know, if you're in the house all the time, then yeah. 
the alarm goes off, that might mean you should go for a walk, get yeah. some fresh air, get some exercise, uh, go out and sit in the park. Yeah. Uh, but at least have a few minutes. I, I talk about maybe 15 to 20 minutes, could be 30. Definitely. I think you'll have to decide that for yourself, but have some time to just unwind and unpack the things that have happened and focus on the things that need to happen. And as you just say, focus on the role that you need to be playing when you go back to your family, because it's a different role and it requires very different behaviors. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that thing about um, setting the alarm and going out for a half an hour work, walk is key. Yeah. Whether it's sunshine, raining, snowing or whatever, because that's an interesting set of disciplines because people don't realize is that what's really good for us is the cold weather. And so yeah. getting out in the cold, getting out when it's, I mean, we've been having some sort of biblical series of weather events recently and we're just waiting for the locusts to arrive and i think we've got the full set so i think there was an arc floating down on the east high yeah. street the other day but you still have to go out for a walk because actually it's really good for you it is actually great for you to be uh, you know to get into the elements and it's again that thing about mixing it up seeing it differently you know all your patterns being disturbed and and thinking things differently john you take so you talk can i take off on that for just a second because i think COVID is giving us that opportunity and we're always looking at the downside and there are certainly many of those but the i think the upside is it is giving us a chance to break our patterns and break our habits and that whole concept of normal and new normal and when's normal going to come back i think that we need to just sort of open our eyes and and recognize this is a gift as well yeah. And we need to experience this reality now. Yeah. That's what intentionality is, isn't it? Is being, being alive today. You know, you yep. need to live every day as if it's, you know, something that you want to be part of. And, you know, it's not, it's not happening to you. It's the other way around, isn't it? That's so, why they call it the present. And, oh, very good indeed. <laughs> I feel a drum roll going on there. So it's such a good one. So, uh, so John, you talk a lot of common sense. And I know you primarily work in the Blue Right like community, but you know, you've got, and we've not touched on the suicide thing because I know we talked a lot about that, but you, are, you have an amazing story around that. So how can people find out more about you? Well, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find on the web. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. I don't really know how to use any of those, but I'm on there. Uh, but we have a number of websites. The, the organization that I head is called the Law, excuse me, the Law Enforcement Survival Institute. Uh, we're a collection of independent consultants and trainers that have expertise in health, wellness, and specifically law enforcement, but uh, emergency response as well. But, you know, honestly, resilience is resilience. We just have to apply it to what is important. Our website is lawenforcementsurvivalinstitute.org. Sorry about that. The short one is up above my head if you are watching the video, but uh, it's copsalive.com, C-O-P-S-A-L-I-V-E.com. Uh, the book I wrote is called Armor Yourself. And so we have Armor Yourself. Uh, we have a whole variety of websites. So I honestly, if you look up John Marks, M-A-R-X, I think you'll find me and I would be more than happy to help anyone that I can help. Um, and uh, always welcome people that reach out. So I thank you for reaching out. This has been a pleasure. John, it's been great. And then um, I'm currently uh, reaching out to you on LinkedIn because I think we all have to do that and uh, keep those things. Um, and, and we've only scratched the surface of John's story. So, I mean, I really do encourage you to uh, have a look. And for those of, who, the, those of us in the, um, the old country, um, John spells armor, 
the American way without with, with many missing letters. Just so okay. I'm sure there's some I'm sure there's some aluminum floating around in that book as well. Uh, if given aluminium? Yeah. Whoa! I've forgotten you've been to Ipswich. Yeah. <laughs> oh, John, it's been a joy to talk to you today. Thank you so much. And thank you for those really simple practical tips and for some really, you know, clear ideas about actually and I love that idea about the habits. I think that's such a clever idea just to be thank able you. to situate your own mind. So copsalive.com is the website. John Marks has been my guest. Thank you so much for being my guest today, John. You're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. And thanks for all that you're doing. Uh, the world needs all the help it can get. It's all right. Take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.